Welcome to ACC Nation. I'm Jim Quist. That's Will Ogenen. And our special guest tonight is the site manager of One Foot Down, Joshua Voles. We're going to be talking about all things Notre Dame. We've got a lot to talk about. Oh, do we have a lot to talk about? <laughs> Let's jump into basketball first and talk a little bit about what uh, Mike Bray has done. Uh, when we were promoting you being on the show, we were talking about this is a surprise team, and they're sitting at number two. They're just just behind Duke, and I, I'm surprised. Uh, I think a lot of people are surprised that Notre Dame men's basketball is sitting where they are right now, and, man, do things look really good for them going into the, the field of, of 68. Uh, Joshua, thanks for joining us, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Mike Bray and, and, you know, what the season has been like so far. And if, if it was a surprise for you uh, that they've done as well as they have. Yeah. First of all, it's, it is a surprise, but it shouldn't be the, the main core of the lineup are guys that are fourth year seniors. He's, <clears throat> it was one of Mike Bray's best recruiting classes. It came after that 2015 you know, the, the elite eight runs here comes the good recruiting classes and things just haven't happened the way we had all we had, had hoped for some continuity as far as our winning ways were concerned after the elite eights and it just didn't you know wasn't happening wasn't happening and you know a lot of it had to do with you know especially last year was a real lack in play of defense i think Notre Dame's always had shooters and, and the guys can shoot but last year you really saw on the court just how poor their defensive play was um, bringing Anthony Solomon back to Notre Dame um, really up their game defensively, which has been a big turnaround for what they're doing this year. Um, I didn't quite expect the ACC to be as down this year as it's been. Uh, as far as the, I, I have problems with that perception anyways. Uh, I don't, I, I don't really even like to say they're really, they're down other than that's what the national perception is. We'll see what it gets to the tournament time, but um, yeah, sitting at number two is definitely a shock. Um, I go back to our first conference game of the season against Boston College. You go out to BC, just get manhandled. I mean, just dominated physically. They beat the crap out of us. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, how is the season going to go? Because that should not have happened. Uh, was about a week later, Notre Dame beats Kentucky. Like, oh, maybe things aren't so bad. And then once we got back into conference play, things started coming together and we're, we're just rattling off wins left and right. And bringing it back to BC – so BC comes back to South Bend and we're looking, all right, revenge, time for a beatdown. And we had just gone through like a string of seven games where Notre Dame held their opponent to like less than 65 points or something like that. They, they've been playing really well defensively. BC can't shoot. All they're doing that game is not missing. It was just, <laughs> you know, it goes into overtime. It was like, a, I think it was like a 90, 80, 82 or 90, 85 or something like that. Um, but it's like, all right, well, this is just a team that can play with, you know, plays up to Notre Dame and all that. Um, so it's just, it's been a big, yeah, it's been a big surprise all season long. Um, I think when you think you know what we're getting with Notre Dame, it kind of kind of takes a little bit of a curve. So we'll see what happens as we try to finish out this season. You know, we're already got the double bye, but, you know, just the way that we're trying to position for bracket uh, positioning, you know, it's like, can we get a seven? Can we give it a seven seed? Can you get into a six? And talk about the number two team in ACC, trying to squeeze into a seven seed is just something I didn't think I'd be saying. Uh, but that's what it's all about right now is, is for them to uh, 
keep working towards, you know, the best position possible uh, in the tournament, because once they get to the tournament, with the shooters they have, you know, if you got all these shooters, you need a guy inside. Paul Atkinson has been really, really good down low for them all season long. So with the shooters they have, they really got a chance just about anybody they play against just based off the fact that they can shoot three. So one thing about the, uh, the ACC, we've sort of uh, regionalized in how it's, uh, it's receiving uh, press attention. I know that uh, in having worked out in the Chicago market, I, I get that Chicago is, is more of the focus for big press for Notre Dame time, yeah. for the most part. Um and then you can split up, you know, everybody in the Northeast is is either in Boston or in, you know, some other market there. And, of course, then you get the, the teams that are in Carolina, the, the Raleigh market, et cetera, Charlotte. And then you go down into Miami, uh, you know, in Atlanta, of course, with Georgia Tech and all that. So, you know, one of the things that, that, that I noticed sometimes, and I want to see what Shin is here, talk about uh, – about teams getting attention um, on a national basis. Are we, are we missing? I'm on the East coast. Will is out further West from Chicago. He's at at, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, Are we missing the story nationally, the coverage that should be there for Notre Dame because they're, you know, the press is spending too much time talking about, let's say, uh, uh, North Carolina, Duke, um, right. and in Virginia, et cetera, Wake Forest. Are we missing the story? Well, I mean, I just don't think there's any way around it when when it comes to the press and the Blue Bloods. Um, I think even more so in college basketball than than in you know college football. I just think that's a it's an it's an easy line for the for the press to go to right off the bat because there's so many more teams in college basketball that are actually you know um, you know make a difference. Notre Dame's a little bit different monster because they were independent for so long. Even in basketball before the Big East, mm-hmm. you know, imagine the history of Notre Dame with the with the games against UCLA and all that. The the media attention that, that Notre Dame gets is it's not it's nowhere near football as far as the national coverage. But there is a little bit extra catch. I, 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 it's not real significant, but it's just enough. Um, but I mean, you got to do some lights out things to, you know, to make attention. So you know, beating Kentucky was big. But even back in December, beating Kentucky, and then they kind of took a little bit of a nosedive there for a minute. You know, that kind of like that kind of win dissipates a little bit. Now it's talked about more as as they come back up, and that's a really huge win. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's. <laughs> In Indiana, we're not going to get Notre Dame is not going to get the basketball coverage that, that they're looking for. It's yeah. IU, it's Purdue. Yeah. I mean, our head basketball coach, women's basketball coach, her son, Jaden Ivey, uh, you know, it went to Purdue. So, <laughs> you know, it's we, we missed the boat on that one. We're going to miss the boat on some of the media stuff. Um, it is very double sweat, you know, not to, you know, not to insult a whole lot of fans out there. I used to be one when I was a kid, a lot of double sweater fans out there. Notre Dame football fans, IU basketball fans. And that causes, especially, I think the national media picks up on what the region's doing, right? Like they're, it's just like, you know, picking up AP stories. They're picking up what that is. So the the vibe is more IU, Purdue, Big Ten basketball coming out of our area. Notre Dame has to do more extraordinary things to get that extra attention. And that's all right. I mean, we're we're used to that. Um, Even, you know, our last few years in the Big East, the Big East was, 
was just as good as any conference has ever been uh, those last few years. They were just inc absolutely incredible. And the Big East tournament, you know, out there in New York, huge deal on the East Coast. Sitting in, you know, I live just, you know, 20 minutes north, uh, northeast uh, of Fort Wayne, Indiana, just right in inside Ohio. It's just not a, it's not a thing. No one talks about it with that, with that loving glow that you hear like a fan <laughs> from St. John's or Georgetown, um, you know, would talk about it. So, but the ACC, the ACC has that sway inside that more so than the Big East ever did. So when we talk about the ACC tournament and start you know, talking about, you know, Duke and North Carolina and all that picks up a little bit more. And so, and we saw it back in when Notre Dame had, you know, that two year great run, it became a big deal. So they got to do the, the things to get the coverage and that's all right. You know, we get a little more coverage than we probably deserve in football some years. And so, you know, we'll, we'll make up for it, you know, by not so much uh, with the basketball. So you talked about some of the reasons this team has kind of over overachieved expectations. I'm one of those people who I thought they'd finish probably middle of the pack and had a shot to yeah. go to the tournament this year, which I think is very fair. But I, one of the reasons I think this team is, you know, kind of blown up in a good way this season is the emergence of Blake Wesley. Now he was a, uh, you know, he was ranked outside of the top 100 and pretty much all the recruiting uh, services in the, and he's, he's um, sat out, he sat out last year, obviously, but right. has really blown up. So what about his game has really led him to begun, become a potential quote unquote one and done? Yeah. I don't like to mention one and done because I'm really tired of people mentioning it because I don't want it. Don't want him thinking, you know, of course yeah. he's thinking about it. I'm talking about karma, but no, I get what you say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Blake, please stay. Uh, we got Starling coming in for one year. Please stay. Uh, dude, he's just, we haven't had the drive slash player like Blake Wesley is. And we just haven't had that uh, for, a, you know, a long time. I mean, Chris Thomas is the name that comes to the mind, the guy, guy that could get to the basket and create things. Uh, but Wesley's a little bit more than that. He is a freshman though. He has took a lot of bad shots this year, like a lot. Uh, but his athleticism and, and uh, just his ability to, you know, to score from anywhere and to score quickly uh, has really set it, set him up and it's helped out everybody around him. Prentice hub, who might be the, maybe the most unselfish uh, player on the team. It's it's his minutes for the most part that Wesley, you know, end up taking and hub has risen his game. Dane Goodwin's playing as good as anybody uh, you know, in the conference. I mean, the dude's been incredible and it's a quiet, uh, there's a quietness there. And all of that stems from having a player with that kind of athleticism that Wesley has where these guys, this group of guys that haven't been able to, to, to go over that next step of those, these four years, he's the guy that was able to kind of give it that little bit of a shove. And I mean, that's, that's the thing that a great player does that for your rest of your, you know, the rest of your team. And we're seeing that right now. So a lot of the time he tends to play the two, but sometimes, you know, especially he'll spell apprentice hub at the one and right. uh, be the ball handler. Has he been pretty good at handle as being a ball handler? He's not as good. He's not as good as a ball handler. I, that would not be, it, it's not a, Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of ball handlers. And I mean, Bray, you know, doesn't use a deep bench. So you're going to have to, you know, move around a lot as it is. Um, so, he, I mean, he does okay, but you know, obviously you want to handle the ball. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd rather, I'd much rather have that too. <laughs> 
think that's a pretty, pretty easy answer there. <laughs> well, you mentioned Prentice Hub and you mentioned like probably the, the biggest thing about him, uh, is especially as his ball handling is turnovers. I think he's cut his turnovers in half from, from compared to last year, but his shooting numbers are down. Is he just, just having a hard time shooting? What's going on there? Prentice Hub is just a, a strange kind of, kind of science project. He, his, he has not shot the ball as well as he had, like even like his freshman year. And the numbers might, might disagree with that a little bit. But you just see him struggling at times. But of all the players on that team, the guy I want shooting the ball with the games on the line in the clutch situation is Hub. Some of these shots might go like 50 feet. And I mean, he has the biggest rainbow uh, arc on some of these balls. It's, it's, it, you're just waiting with, you know, bated breath, just waiting for these shots to drop. But he's been the, the most clutch guy. He makes the play, you know, makes the plays that they need to do. We've seen it last year. He did, did that in the ACC tournament. Um, he got a little fun with it, uh, with some fingers to the crowd. Uh, but <laughs> he's definitely been, um, he's definitely, numbers are down, but he, he's the guy you want shooting the ball. And Mike Bray has said that over and over again um, this season and, and last season. That There's just something about that moment that, that gets him in the right, you know, the right spot. Well, you mentioned him a moment ago, but I was going to um, talk to him, talk about him a little bit later, but I want to get into him now. And that is the the guy who's coming in, J.J. Starling, who yeah. is a, I think he's about a top 30, 30-ish recruit, a high-level four-star, borderline five-star coming in for next season. Is he someone that's just going to get a ton of minutes right away for them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, Notre Dame isn't a, uh, isn't a, uh, you know, a program that's used to bringing in one and done. They don't bring in. Um, you know, very high profile recruits. It's, it's just that what they do. And so you kind of wonder what, what, what would happen if we got one of these guys and you're seeing it now with Wesley where he's taking minutes away from a guy who's a fourth year senior and hub who's basically entrenched. And now Wesley is, you know, a major part of the, of, of what we're doing. Starling is going to be a great player. And there's no doubt that he's, you know, a one and done in a lot most people's eyes, a one and done candidate himself. So right away, he's going to get the South bed and, you know, put it, get in the work. You know, well, it's always a wait and see with any of these guys. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not going to say any exacts, you know, this is exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but he's definitely a guy that we're all waiting on uh, to get there and to excel. So I, I expect him to be a big part of the team next year, um, but we'll see. Got a question for you. <clears throat> Since we've got, a lot of the ACC tournaments are on the East Coast. It would only be fair uh, to have it out in the Midwest at least one year. Uh, it may be Chicago. Uh, what do you think I, about that? I mean, I, for, I, for Notre Dame's sake, travel-wise, sure. I'm a traditionalist, though. Mm-hmm. so I, And I don't mind going into enemy territory for anything. Uh, so I like the tournament where it's at. And look, there was nothing better than winning that ACC tournament, you know, in North Carolina, beating Duke, beating North Carolina. I mean, just that just felt like we just went in and stole all their lunch money for their entire <laughs> group, you know, lives. You know, not just that day, but all the lunch money. Uh, and that's great. I, that, that's what I love. College athletics, that's one of the best things about it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, the, the Big East tournament in New York, that was special because of that. Hey, look, if it's an ACC tournament and it's an ACC country, that's where it's at. And that's fine. Um, I, I have no problem with it. Chicago's Big Ten land and 
I mean, it's, it, yeah, again, that's a, that's a quick trip for them. That's less travel time, which helps teams out. But um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't mind keeping things, uh, you know, some things how they're supposed to be. And that just feels like it's supposed to be there. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but I would be in favor of going to Chicago. We'll go, we'll hang. Yeah. I was going to say, it's only like an hour <laughs> flight from me out of Minneapolis. So yeah. count me in. <laughs> I'm always looking well, baseball for baseball. Be up there. Notre Dame baseball will be up there in uh, about a week and a half or something like that up in Minneapolis. So. Oh, I didn't... okay, interesting. Well, might might be a foot of snow on the ground, but we'll see. <laughs> well, a, a li- I had to take a double take. Like, what? what wait a minute. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's indoors up there. So yeah, mm-hmm. U- uh, U.S. <laughs> Bank. Yeah, yeah, U.S. Bank. Yes, yeah. Hopefully, uh, not Target. Let's yeah, go, not Target Field. No. Let's let's talk uh, let's talk football here, and uh, let's um, let's start out. <laughs> with the dancing abilities of a former coach. Uh, and, and then we'll kind of go from there and, and see where this takes Look, us. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. We've all known just last spring, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. Brian Kelly broke out some dance moves that were just, I don't even know how to describe them. I, had, I don't have the words. I don't have the vocabulary for what I witnessed last year on that. And it was like, he was wearing like a green suit thing. It, dude, it was insane. And we loved it. We all ate it up. We thought it was the greatest thing. We we thought, you know, this is just this is just awesome. That's BK to be in BK. Little did we know, like <laughs> eight months, eight, nine months later, that was not gonna be the thing anymore. That we were we were wrong. We were dead wrong. <laughs> so, let me yeah. let me ask you something. How <clears throat> could it's it struck me the way he he departed <clears throat> that, you know, you, you try not to ever burn bridges ever because it's just not yeah. a good idea. But I, I, I kind of felt like the dude was throwing gas on stuff and, and tossing matches vicariously as he was walking out the door. Yeah. Uh, I, I, how do, how do fans feel about well, it? First of all, that's what Brian Kelly does. <laughs> right like he didn't leave cincinnati in a good situation i mean it's, it's, it's kind of you know you kind of do what you know right so if you're leaving a school to go to another school you're just you're just kind of falling into what you know how to do yeah, not see, saying that it's the right thing or the wrong thing he's an arsonist but, in other words but <laughs> the whole situation was just kind of insane to, to us I, to, to me especially look i posted a story that says brian kelly is not going to lsu one minute, literally one minute before Ugh. the news broke that he was leaving. And I'm you gotta be kidding me. Like <laughs> what? So my Twitter matches are just I'm just smoke hotted for like weeks after that, you know? And Old Facebook takes exposed got you didn't, didn't oh, it. like it's like within a minute. I'm like, just give me like 20 more minutes, let me get this next story up, you know, about how wrong I was. But my my reasoning about about it you know before that was just things that we had that he had done and has been going on with him and his life and his family life and coaching life in and around Notre Dame. And it was all adding up to, he's going to get another extension. It's probably going to go to 20, you know, 2026, maybe 2027, probably looking at a retirement around 25, like the year before the contract's up kind of where you see it, most people, it was all leading on that path. Mm-hmm. He had just bought a huge double lot just right off of campus. I mean, right off of campus, built a huge new house, he had been living on the uh, on a lake outside of South Bend basically this whole time. 
so, but he was kind of positioning himself to be that, you know, that coach emeritus, kind of the way Arrow was for so long in South Bend. Right. You know, to like, you know, he's retired, but he's still a part of the university by being, you know, the proximity of the university. And it was all adding up that way. And to see kind of how it, to, to know now how it unfolded, you kind of see how Kelly did what he did. You know, he was looking for that extension and Jack just wasn't coughing it up this time around. You know, we had, you know, a couple of uh, a playoff blowouts, which by the way, most people get blow, blown out in the semi. If you're losing in the semifinals, you're getting blown out. It just mm-hmm. it is what it is. Right. Notre Dame takes a lot of heat for it. It is what it is. But Swarbrick kind of seems like he wanted he wanted some more results rather than just automatically laying down that that extension, you know, and which is a little different than what we, we've been used to. Uh, so how much that angered Kelly? I'm sure if you if I was in Kelly's shoes, I'd be a little pissed too, you know, for everything that you've accomplished everything they accomplished this as a rival, the program, the way it's, what it's done in the last, especially the last five years is that, that terrible, the 16th season, you know, winning all these games, you know, all this stuff, you know, breaking Rockney's record, just kind of, if you're Brian Kelly, you position yourself to kind of like set your own terms in a way uh, with the university. Well, the university of Notre Dame is bigger than the football coach and Swarbrick kind of saw it that way. Um, and, you know, some of it's known, some of it's unknown, some of it's just kind of an opinion. I just, you know, think Kelly got pissed off about it all. You get this opportunity to go somewhere else, and he took it. I, any other reasoning beyond that? I mean, I just, I, the cultural fit is, as a family, yeah, <laughs> you know, none of it makes sense. His daughter was, is, I think she's a senior right now, so she's still. You know, it's not a big deal. She's wrapping up her last year at Notre Dame right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got another son that's up at Grand Valley State. Um, so it just, you're going down to LSU? Like, it, it didn't quite make much sense. Kelly isn't awesome. I mean, he's kind of been given a pass by the national media since he's left. As somehow he's been, he's a great recruiter. As I can tell you, you can ask just about any Notre Dame fan. They will say, no, absolutely not. Uh, Carter Carl's uh, uh, writer for the was for the South Bend Tribune. Um, he's at the paper in Tallahassee now. He covers Florida State, mm-hmm. but he did an article that basically blackballed him and the South Bend Tribune for a couple weeks. Uh, he spoke to a couple recruits down at uh, an All Star game in in San Antonio. These are high profile recruits that Notre Dame needed badly. Five star wide receiver, you know, top top flight guys. They were they never talked to Kelly. It, it, it wasn't a he didn't talk to him. He didn't call him. None of this was going on. So when Carter published that piece, Ooh. it put a huge spotlight on just exactly what Kelly was doing as a recruiter. And it's stuff a lot of us have already known. You know, he's not sure. involved early on. In the, I mean, he's more of a you know, kind of a closer guy. But in today's day and age of recruiting, you can't be, it just doesn't work that way if you want the top flight guys. Kelly is still playing that Cincinnati mid-major recruiting game kind of like a, almost like a wait and see kind of a thing, you know, where you're, you're waiting for chips to fall and then you go in and grab it and pull them in. So LS, so him going to LSU to go up against the money machine at Texas A&M, Nick Saban at Alabama, and that's just in your division. And, you know, I, it didn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like that's not gonna, you no duh that he had some kind of weird dancing video out. He's gotta, do, he's gotta up his game and he has no idea how. <laughs> Uh, so he's he's gonna have to do something. Uh, it just it the whole thing is just 
wild. I mean, it, the more and more it gets down, John Bryce uh, with, um, uh, he's with Irish Sports Daily, but also with uh, uh, Football Scoop, had a really in-depth piece about, uh, about kind of about the whole situation. You know, Kelly being inside of a home, getting the phone call with LSU and all that. Talking to the guy, to Tommy, and I think uh, Del Alexander in the car after leaving the home about, yeah, you know, maybe going to LSU. The whole thing's wild. It, it just, it, it never would I have thought that. And you got a, a team who was on the verge. You know, if, if Auburn wins that game against Alabama, Notre Dame's probably in the, play, in the playoff. I mean, Auburn doesn't <laughs> screw that whole thing up so badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of small things, even championship weekend, you know, but, you know, the, the Big 12 championship game went the way we needed it. We just, you needed one more domino to drop. And it just, just didn't. I mean, counting on Iowa to do anything is just, if we grow corn, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> but to leave a team when you're like this close to getting back for your third playoff in four years, I, it just, it's just wild. It's just it, at a school like Notre Dame, this isn't, this isn't Cincinnati. This isn't just, and I'm not trying to, I'm not the guy who like to talk a bunch of smack about Notre Dame is so much bigger and better, but I mean, come on, it's a blue chip program to, to just drop a blue chip program head coaching job. You're that close to getting back to the playoffs and you're definitely going to a two New Year's six bowl to bolt for a job. that's just been bad the last couple of years. Cause the guy driven it in the ground because he's chasing skirts. Doesn't make sense. So <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, indeed it is. <laughs> uh, and, and you're right. Uh, that boggles my mind. Just, just thinking about departing a blue chip program of that stature uh, just because there's some aspect of your personality that get ruffled, and that's what it and felt LSU, like to me. If I'm not wrong, is is in some trouble still <clears throat> no. with Title Nine stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, it's not like you're going into like the most stable of situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a great locker room and great stadium, great stadium atmosphere. The food is incredible down there. I get it, but you know you're not you're not walking to a great situation if you're not a great recruiter. You're in the SEC West. Have fun with that. And, you know, the NCAA might do, actually do something, which is strange that the NCAA would do anything anymore. Uh, but, I mean, when it's Title IX, you know, I mean, I get a little something yeah. different. So, yep. I don't know. Get a little bit of that that, that federal uh, backing yeah. there really quickly. Uh, that'll burn you. Um, yeah, and, and – thoroughly pun intended he's walking into a swamp uh will <laughs> we haven't even talked touched on his uh random like accent on his first uh oh, no, 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 his no. please like well, you know purple bk that's sun down there in the bayou i mean i just, i'm not sure what shade <clears throat> Uh, you know by like game three so must have had some really good cajun or something but (laughs) i you know you're talking to your broker now's a good time to buy whatever you can with uh what company's got sunscreen because the kelly family is going to be you're gonna need it big time big time and let's get into the now though um marcus freeman and his and what he's done in the short time He's been there. Obviously, when Brian Kelly left and Marcus Freeman took over, most of the staff stayed in South Bend. Not only that, a lot they're crushing it in 2023 recruiting. They have the number one class right now, according at least according to 24-7. I didn't check rivals before this, but um, and mo- a lot of those commits were actually committed when Brian Kelly was still coach, but they're sticking around, at least for right now. 
admit probably waiting to see some on-field results, but what is it about Marcus Freeman that like people just tend to gravitate towards him? He is a ball of energy. Uh, he's handsome as hell. Uh, it, I mean, he's just, he's dynamic. And just that personality type, a guy who just wants to succeed, stays positive in what he's doing, has a message that he sticks to, um, and just, look, he has a rival's profile. He's a young coach. So as far as recruits go, he relates more mm-hmm. better to any of these guys than just about every college head coach out there right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's been quite amazing. But yet the, the day that that all happened, I got to tell you, was probably the most fun I had online on Twitter. It was absolutely insane from Tommy, you know, from the meeting from Kelly in the morning with this team that got secretly recorded. It was a bunch of nonsense. And he, you know, then he just bolts, um, you know, Tommy coming in saying that he's staying the announcement of, you know, announcement of Freeman. This, it was just kind of a whirlwind. And then all these coaches were saying they were, they were staying, they weren't, they weren't going there. They weren't going there. And this whole vibe was just like, just hoorah. You know, it's just like, this is pretty amazing. Now, since then things have changed quite a bit. A lot of those coaches are gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they're going to replace most of those coaches that we thought were still, we're sticking around. And in fact, all of the offensive coaches besides offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, uh, who was getting courted very heavily, not only by Brian Kelly at LSU, but uh, uh, at Miami uh, was coming after him pretty hard there towards the end uh, before Gaddis. So replace all that. Then you, then you got probably your most beloved assistant coach Mike Elston, a defensive line coach who, a big culture guy, just like a huge, like, this is what Notre Dame is all about, which is crazy. Cause he's a Michigan, you know, he's a Michigan man uh, who grew up just, I, I always call the guys in Ohio that went to Michigan traders. I'm from Ohio. You go to Michigan. Notre Dame is fine. It's a private school. Otherwise go to Ohio state, go to Michigan. You're a damn trader. I never thought I would look and love at a, a person as much like that as Mike Elston, but yet I did. And then he ups and, <laughs> and bolts for Michigan. Uh, so the, the, the bowl game, he was uh, he was doing the defensive play calling, didn't go great, um, and I think he kind of saw the writing on the wall. He was not going to become uh, the, a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So there was a whole lot to replace, and the guys that Marcus was bringing in fit a, a lot of the same profile he fits in. Great recruiters, absolutely great recruiters, can relate to the to the young players, dynamic coaches, guys that have been been proving themselves even in short times like a guy like Chancey Stuckey wide receivers coach uh you know he had one year at Baylor uh but you talk to anybody that when he from when he, his time in the NFL uh, his time at Clemson you know Dabo Sweeney put a stamp put a stamp of approval on him uh we're all pretty excited about that in fact Al Washington it's, I guess uh Freeman's filling in with uh ACC guys Al Washington a Boston College guy uh coming in t- taking over defensive line was a great recruiter when he was coaching at Ohio state defensive line. So it's just funny. All the pieces that were staying, we're all hyped up for, I had shirts and sweatshirts made that said loyal on it. They sold like hotcakes. I'm glad I, <laughs> I'm glad we got that three week uh, sale out of the way. And then little by little guys started to find other opportunities elsewhere. And then Freeman's done a great job of hiring guys. He brings back Harry. He the offensive line, one of the great offensive line coaches of all time. Uh, won the Joe Moore, you know, helped Notre Dame win the Joe Moore Award a few years ago. Uh, but, you know, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Zach Martin, Nick Martin, all these guys in the NFL 
uh, he's coming back for another stint. So we're all pretty excited. Uh, we got this young staff. It's a very diverse staff. Um, you know, you think about how big of a deal it was when Notre Dame hired uh, Tyrone Williamham before Williamham just absolutely failed. But, you know, the fact that the African-American coach, uh, the, the first one there at Notre Dame, you know, I, I think there was a lot of people's minds, maybe some older folks that just thought that that wouldn't happen again. And here we are. We got another African-American, you know, African-American slash Asian. His, his mom's, uh, I think she's Korean. Uh, but it, it, it's a diverse staff. There's just, this is a young, diverse, culturally diverse staff that uh, is just a different take than what people would expect at a place like Notre Dame. And it is very welcomed by, you know, by the alumni and by the fans. Well, obviously, if you're if you're going to succeed, you really you need uh, some stability at the quarterback play. And last season, well, Notre Dame went through three of them. Um, this year, Jack Cohn is gone. So, what's the quarterback situation looking like? Yeah, use three in, in Brian Kelly fashion. Use three. Jack Cohn was was the man. It's it's a I think Notre Dame fans get a little used to that. Where uh, throughout the Kelly era, that you got your main guy, but he's gonna you know might pipe in a guy here and there. We're, we're kind of used to that fashion this year. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a crap shoot. Uh, as far as what we're going to expect is we haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen, you know, a team coached by a non Brian Kelly squad. So now it's going to be, you know, what, 12 years. So now Tommy Reese is the guy making the calls. Uh, it's going to be Tyler Buckner almost assuredly going to be the starting quarterback in Notre Dame for next, next year. Um, you know, we saw him a lot last year, mainly in uh, some running situations, uh, but it has a strong arm. Just They didn't use him like he wasn't the backup coming in. He was a guy that came in as a changeup to Cone when, <laughs> you know, a co- couple of different runners there, you know, between mm-hmm. Jack Cone and, and Tyler Buckner. Uh, Drew Pine was used, you know, sometimes last year. Pine is back. Buckner's back. Um, and it's – so you could say it's between those two, but it, Buckner's going to be your starter. Uh, and it's – yeah, your first start as a college quarterback is going to be – in Columbus uh, against what might be the number one team in the country. So yeah. pretty insane. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> and we're going to have a new starting running back. And let me get into that. Cause Kyra Williams is gone, yeah. but there were a couple of, uh, you know, his backups played fairly well in, in the limited action. Um, Logan Diggs only, he only played eight games, but had a real nice season. Chris Tyree had a nice year. So in, in general, they, Notre Dame has just play had one guy doing the, getting the bulk of the work is, is that going to be the case going forward or could they, we see more two back sets? Well, I mean, whether or not they, even if they run two back sets, it's going to be, you know, are they going to rotate backs in? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think Kyron Williams is, is one of the all time great Notre Dame running backs. I, I've been a debate in the off season about that. Um, and I think I, sh- I can say with pretty, a lot of confidence, he was pretty good. He's great. He's one of the all time greats. Um, he breaks right up in the last, you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, Logan Diggs had a, had a good season last year, kind of a good showing. Expect a lot for him. Chris Tyree was actually hurt a major portion of last year. Turf toe, which if you're running back, wide receiver, turf toe is just it's an, it's it's such a terrible injury. Um, so you know, and yet he had a kickoff return for touchdown with that turf toe against Wisconsin that kind of set off that whole fourth quarter that that really like that you know put put the seal of it on it. So there's some speed. Logan Diggs uh, has that uh, that that running back, you know that, that more running back look. Tyree, uh, you know that speed back, running in between the tackles isn't as uh, isn't as sure. They got a huge power back in Audric Estime. He's a guy I love. 
just Google his name, Audrey Estime. Look at the pictures of this guy. This is, he looks like one of the running backs Georgia has, you know, hauls in. He's just, he's Hercules, man. He's just, yeah, he's insane. <laughs> uh, and he's just ready to devour. So they, they got some great pieces in place. They got a, a really nice running back out of Texas, Jadarian Price, freshman. I think they're going to want to try to use a lot of these guys. Uh, hard to say exactly, you know, new running backs coach coming in. Uh, and what reason, I mean, I, I just don't know. Like with, with Kelly, Reese is calling the plays, but how much of the game plan throughout that week, you know, Kelly's involved in that. So how much does that affect his play calling? What you're going to use, how you're going to use it. The offensive line was pretty much in shambles the first five weeks, uh, you know, of last season. That's, you know, solidified now where you're last year, a starting left tackle game one was a true freshman of Blake Fisher. He gets hurt in that game. By the time we end the season, your starting left tackle was a true freshman and Joe Alt, and he's a freshman All-American. So now you got these two sophomores coming in to bookend at tackle that are just incredible. Um, you bring back your, you know, your offensive line coach. Is Notre Dame going to get back to more of a power running game? You would think so with Tyler Buckner, you know, playing quarterback. There's going to be some more running action, um, probably some more RPOs. We're just we're waiting on spring to kind of see how this starts to get pieced together, um, because I think you could go a whole whole bunch of different ways, and you you could be right or you could be way wrong. <laughs> So the schedule, let it obviously you're you're coming out of the gate real hard right away with yeah. you know like you said maybe maybe the number one team in the country and in Ohio State and then it's bookended by you know USC and the Coliseum who may or may not be overhyped just because they have the hot new coach uh, but in between pretty manageable I mean just among the ACC schools at UNC replacing Sam Howell that's going to be a big question mark. Uh, at Syracuse, Dino Babers may be on the hot seat. They're trying a new offense. Clemson, you, you get them at, at, at uh, home, Notre yeah. Dame. Yep. Clemson's got a ton of question marks because they were, they are replacing their offensive and defensive coordinators, Boston college. Okay. They've, you know, they got Phil Dracovic back, you know, at, and this is at, at Notre Dame, but still I might get juicy. Yeah, exactly. But this schedule, I feel like this, there's a, a real good opportunity for another 10 win season for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does set up pretty well. Um, I think that um, you know, the, the trip to Columbus, it's not going to be make or break. I mean, obviously, if you win it, obviously, you, <laughs> you're setting yourself up pretty good there. But I think even a loss even in Columbus doesn't really – I'm not sure how much it's going to say what their name is going to be for, you know, the rest of the season. Uh, I really have my, you know, Clemson circled on the map. I think Clemson has become you – know, since our – our partnership with the ACC has come about. Clemson's kind of become a, another rival type for Notre Dame. Um, at least, in, you know, in fans' eyes, and I think in, in coaches and, play, and players' eyes, uh, just because of the level of play of the, both those teams when, the, when, when they've met. Um, not quite a Notre Dame-Miami of the, of the late 80s, early 90s, but um, I, I, there's something there. Uh, and so the, and the more you get to play them, the more, more that happens. Um, I think that just there's – there, there's some tricky games, but there's just, there's so many winnable games. You're right. It's hard not to see 10 wins. Um, USC is just kind of a big coin flip and you know, they're sexy, right? Cause the, it's going to have Lincoln Riley. They're going to be throwing, they're going to be scoring points all that, but their offensive line is still meh. Their defensive mm-hmm. line is still meh. I mean, just defensively overall. So, you know, they may, they may fall under that weight of expectations, especially towards the end of the season, but Notre Dame, no matter what, how 
good or bad SC is, that late, that last game, that late season trip out to LA is tough, especially Notre Dame, the way they travel around the country. You know, we make a West Coast, that'll be our second trip out to the West Coast that year. Your legs start getting a little tired. I mean, in 2018, you know, USC was terrible. Notre Dame should have went out there and beat them, you know, 42 to three. And we're struggling to get out of there. And you look at those guys out there and they're just, you know, they couldn't move. Their legs, <laughs> legs are stiff. It's like they're in mud. And it just, you just knew from this, you know, from the swings that year, how much the travel had beat them down. So we'll wait and see. And you know, we thought last year's schedule was going to be pretty brutal and end up not be, not being you know, too terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's always, there's always some trickiness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see what teams rise up. I, I have great faith in college football. I have great faith in, in programs surprising us each and every year, you know, just from wherever. Um, so, you know, even a school like North Carolina who lost Sam Howe, Mac Brown still done a pretty good job of, recruit, of recruiting down there. They have some talent. It's going to be down in, in Chapel Hill. You know, I'm expecting a fight. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to just wait and see. You mean to tell me the sky won't be falling if they lose to Ohio State? <laughs> uh, uh, 0-2 Marcus Freeman start. I mean, the sky will be falling for some. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let, let yeah, me just—it's already falling. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing before I give it back to Jim, and I think you bring it up a good point about how this uh, Notre Dame Clemson thing has become real nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously the the championship game a couple of years ago was kind of a dud, but the the game in South Bend two years ago was that was an instant classic. That was a whale of a game. Yeah, you know, and I have a lot of beef with mm. our, our, our Twitter friends uh, from the athletic and, 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 and other, and other sorts, the coastal Carolina BYU game was touted as this, the greatest college football game of that season and blah, 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 blah. And I get the cool factor of it all, The Hey, let's go play a person and go cross country. No question about it. But seriously, <laughs> number one, Clemson comes, comes to South Bend. Trevor Lawrence is out. Uh, Uyangale comes out and throws for like 400, throws for more yards than any uh, opponent uh, quarterback in Notre Dame history <laughs> that night. Uh, you get a close, you know, a close win like that, a great game. That that was a, just a, an awesome game. That doesn't get enough credit. Um, you know, call it the COVID year uh, where everything's turned upside down as it is, but that game definitely des- you know deserves more credit. Um, the 2015 game and you know in the hurricane uh, down at Clemson was an, was another great. Uh, game and it just it all sets up and really I think it's not Notre Dame fans I, I don't talk to a lot of Clemson people so I, I don't know their opinion maybe you guys can ask them I really think that that 2015 Notre Dame Clemson game was the game for Clemson that set them off in the trajectory that they end up taking that was the game that that put them back on the not just on the map but set them on the path to go win some national championships and be who they are that was the game that they were used to losing right and you know that's why <laughs> Dabo's out there screaming about guts in the middle of the rain. It was a crazy great game, and left a bad taste in a lot of our mouths uh, for the Notre Dame side, which is how you want a, a rivalry to start. And right. I think that that's there's the seeds of that, and you know you kind of want to ask the ACC like, hey, can we just get Clemson like every other year? It doesn't have to be every year, but can we make sure the schedule has them every other year at least? You know, yeah. just to kind of have that set up. Uh, with you know with the conference because it's it's been fun but uh, for for both sides I think it's it's been uh, wildly beneficial. I'm wholeheartedly right there with you on that opinion. I think that that 
that rivalry as it's established has been, and it's because you've, you've got two great teams and when they, they, they throw everything, including kitchen sink in on that game. Uh, it's fun as a fan to watch that. And, you know, it's will points out, uh, and you pointed out that these games become classics and, kind of burn into your psyche a little bit a little bit i'm gonna i'm willing to give uh marcus the first year and and not have a lot of high expectations even though in the back of my mind i'm <laughs> thinking the irish are really going to tear some you know new ones they for people good, they got a pretty good team this year yeah so. <laughs> I, but i i'm still willing to to sort of put that you know that disclaimer out there just in case uh but i think i think notre dame looks absolutely solid and for the next couple of years um what I see is a consistent number five and above team. Uh, and I, I know that's where everybody who's a fan of Notre Dame wants them to be. Uh, we'll see if they can capture what has been an elusive championship. Let's talk about championships briefly. Okay. Notre Dame has just had a phenomenal season sports-wise. They've yeah. just nailed down a couple of championships. They've done very well in a lot of sports. Uh, basketball looks good. Men's basketball looks good. Women's basketball is starting to rebuild and doing a great job. Uh, as you pointed out, the uh, Notre Dame fencing uh, team just won the ACC championship over the weekend. I mean, it just goes on and on. And one last thing we'll, we'll just sort of – touch briefly on here is top 25 baseball Notre Dame who to thunk it here is a team that, that again seemingly come out of nowhere uh, especially last year and now is is really starting to dig in its heels and do something solid it's pretty exciting yeah it's you know I'll tell you what uh, in 20, 2020 Notre Dame went down to, you know, first year with new, with new coach, Link Jarrett, you know, AOC, they um, went down to North Carolina, swept them, mm -hmm. and were sitting in the parking lot to take on Louisville. And Notre Dame looked great. Like, they looked better than they had in years. And that's when they got the call, season's over, you know, COVID's, you know, taking over. And so we were left with, you know, after that, after that we were kind of left that whole year, for a whole, whole year wondering, how good can these guys be? Cause Jarrett immediately, you know, we're making these guys, you know, players. Well, we saw that last year and, you know, I would argue Notre Dame deserved <laughs> Notre Dame deserved that home series more than Mississippi state did when we played them. I, no one wants to go to Stark Vegas and you know, Mississippi state is great. One at all. They're incredible, but that was a great series. Notre Dame had their chances, but uh, I can't remember the exact argument it was, but there was an argument you made that that series should have been in South Bend. Notre Dame should have been playing um, in South Bend that weekend, but but that was out of nowhere, right? Like we we hadn't seen Notre Dame play to this level, and oh man, I don't even know. It was like eight nine years. It, it, had, been, yeah. it had been a minute, right? Uh, so in playing in the ACC, you know, against great baseball teams that you know all the great baseball programs in the ACC, you kind of think, all right, this league, Jarrett knows what he's doing. You know, Notre Dame's a great school for, you know, we think of it, it's, it is definitely a football school, right? And men's basketball has a, has a great history, women's basketball, but it is a great school for all the other sports. 
because all these other sports, you know, and baseball is kind of in that the halfway where, you know, like the NCAA likes to say, you know, who's going pro? So, hey, how would you like to come to Notre Dame, get a Notre Dame degree for, you know, for free for four years uh, to go play some sports and go kick some butt? And a lot of these programs do that. So you offer this great environment, um, this, this gorgeous campus, uh, you know, great weather in South Bend. And, you know, you know they go out and, and they're just, they're, all these programs are doing well. You know, Jared comes up, takes care of that baseball program, gets these guys playing a much better defense. Pitching's a, little, a lot more dialed in. Um, and then they just kind of, they went on that tear last year. You know, Nico Cavadas was just uh, out there just crushing, I mean, killing balls. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. I had a blast uh, of the baseball season last year. Notre Dame hockey, I, it's a Big Ten program in hockey. But, you know, right you know right now we're, you know, we're hanging up Big Ten banners in South Bend. It's, it's kind of like a, really funny joke to us like still like even when in 2020 when we were the acc of football we all joked about like what if we actually win the conference well what are we gonna do <laughs> what are we gonna do with the trophy for this banner, you know it's, it's a funny concept to yeah. us so big Ten's funny concept acc was uh for football but it's a it's a great environment up there athletically um and you know being on a small campus you know your ratio for athletes to regular students is, is much greater you know because of that and so it kind of breeds this, um, you know, competitiveness on the field in the classroom. Uh, it's just it's it's a great time. So <laughs> we're having a we're having a lot of fun uh, as long as I keep winning. And none of that matters if Notre Dame goes uh, four and eight in football season. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd be remiss if I did not mention men's lacrosse because uh coach corrigan and i went to the same school together briefly okay so uh you know. yeah women's lacrosse uh is is taking a hit this year uh just, ugh, just barely but yeah uh men's lacrosse been pretty, acc another great conference for that uh so it's a, it's a good time if you and i think every Notre name the only games you got to pay for are men and ba- men and women's basketball hockey and football other than that, everything else up on campus is free. Lacrosse, baseball, softball, all that stuff is free to the general public. Um, so if you're in and around the area um, <laughs> at all and want to catch some great games, um, and I don't think Notre Dame needs me to sell it to them for you. I'm just saying it's a great, it's a great you know kind of environment to do. Um, do that. Or if you go up there for you know for a football game, check to see what they're what other things they got going on and just check it out. There's some great facilities up there, um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Couldn't ask for better PR for Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, they might disagree a little bit. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I'm not going near that. Uh, <laughs> our special guest, site manager of One Foot Down, Joshua Voles, has been our guest. And, and thank you so much for joining yeah. us, talking about Notre Dame, the Irish, what's going on. Uh, well, it's been It's been fantastic having you on the show. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. Well, appreciate it, guys.